I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. The holiday season can be the most wonderful time of the year, but it can also be a challenging time. And not just for adults. That's usually where the headlines are. This can be especially challenging for our young people. Many young adults are increasingly experiencing anxiety and depression, issues that tend to snowball during the holidays. How do we help? Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. Well, we are thrilled to have back on the program Jenny Howe today. Jenny is someone that I watch, that I listen to, that I follow uh, with all things relating to mental health, but especially as it relates to our young people. And we've heard so much over the last couple of weeks rolling into the holidays. We've talked a lot about adult mental health. Uh, but we haven't spent a whole lot of time talking about, well, how are the, the young people, how are the kids doing during the holidays? And uh, Jenny joins us to help us break that down a little bit. Jenny, thanks so much for jumping on with us today. You're welcome. I'm so happy to be here. Happy holidays. Thank you. And and so let's dive right in. So what, what are we seeing? What should we be watching for as it relates to our young people in the holidays? You know, I think when we talk about little kids and the holiday season, so elementary aged kids, you see so much hyperactivity, right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like teachers are all banging their head against the wall at this time of year <laughs> yeah. and kind of like counting the days down and, and heaven bless them for doing the job yeah. they do. But you see a lot of you know, overreactivity, a lot of hyperactivity, a lot of like extra tantrums and a lot of frustration. And really a lot of that is just like the overstimuli and the late nights and the lack of routine and the lack of scheduling. And I think it's important to remember that because this time of year just causes so much disruption to kids' lives. And although it's really fun and exciting, it can also be really difficult, especially for our kiddos who really rely on a schedule and consistency, like our autism spectrum friends or anybody that really kind of thrives in that environment. This can be a really tough, overstimulating time of year for them. Yeah, so important to, to keep that in mind. And it's just a good reminder. Sometimes we, we get tired and exhausted of enforcing routine or sticking to the schedule. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so sometimes we kind of let all of that fly, but sometimes that's the source of the problem. We have to remember that the kids actually like and actually thrive a little bit with some of that structure and routine in their space. Totally. And I think it's, you know, important to go back to the basics. If you have a kid that's having little extra meltdowns or frustration or snappiness this time of year, I think it's important to say, okay, have they slept enough? Do they need to eat? Do they need water? Do they need love, affection? When you go back to those basics and try to just meet their basic needs, 
generally speaking, that's where the cure is. Yeah, so important. And uh, as you look at some of the uh, the other components to that, uh, maybe some of the things mm-hmm. beyond the overstimulus and the hyperactivity mm-hmm. and uh, all the all the sugar and all the sweets and and not having re- <laughs> you're not having regular anything. And uh, I'm glad you pointed out the teachers, and we should all light a candle and say a prayer for the teachers yes. for the, for the yes, next weeks. Bless definitely. them all. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. But let's go beyond that just a little bit and and get in, especially with our our teenage kids uh, yeah. again also interesting in terms of disruption of routine a little bit of a disconnect uh, with friends uh, what are some of the other things we should be watching for as it relates to our young people well you know even the younger ones they just display it differently but especially our kids that are a little bit older into their teens they are really picking up on the vibe right of mm. the entire home and it's you guys are in a situation and I've been in the situation myself where there is, you know, new divorces or family yeah. members that have issues with each other or parents that aren't excited to go see their parents. And the frustration and the energy that is, you know, being shared in the home can really rub off on our older kids. And they always, always, always know what's going on. Even yeah. if we think we don't, they <laughs> always know. Trust me, I'm behind closed doors with those kids. They tell me every yeah. Um, and I think it's really important for us to know that if we are going to express frustration as parents and kind of create, you know, this this vibe in our home where we're like, oh, the holidays, this is really frustrating. It's important for us to also recognize that that can be a positive thing as long as we're sharing with them why those feelings are originating and that it's okay to feel those feelings and that we don't have to hide those feelings. If we are upset with a sibling or a family member, we're going to address it or we're not going to address it. And this is why, because it's not safe, but having real conversations with our kids when we're, you know, entering into all these family events can be really, really powerful if done the right way rather than passive aggressively or just pretending that it doesn't exist. I'm Dave Cauley investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold season three, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Yeah, that's uh, those are such crucial conversations to get to. And uh, I was kind of half joking uh, as we were preparing for today, thinking, well, <laughs> a lot of the stress that our teenagers probably feel are probably because of the parents. <laughs> but, but, I know. But, Jenny, you raised it in such an interesting way that it's it's not that the, the parents are nagging and it's not it's all of those things, but it is the vibe. It is that feel. And, uh, and if the parents aren't uh, acting like an adult in terms of how to address uh, a situation and whether that's saying, hey, I am going to address this with this sibling or no, I'm not going to because we're going to focus on this instead. That completely Correct. changes the, the vibe and the feel and the process for, uh, for that young person. Absolutely. It creates empowerment, right? And that's really the goal behind any kind of like mental health treatment, whether we're treating, you know, depression or anxiety or any, you know, myriad of other issues, we really want to encourage empowerment. And when we give our kids the language through our own experiences, we empower them to kind of address those things in their lives in ways that can be really helpful. You know, and another thing that this time of year really brings up for a lot of people, and I'm sure you guys have discussed this before, Boyd, but it's, it's, The holidays are tough because they are all about feeling good, right? This is make merry and have fun and it's lighthearted. And we need that in our lives so desperately. 
The only problem is, is mental health and life circumstances don't always align with the holiday season, right? Yeah. Unfortunately, we can't just like schedule that. And I think this season can bring, and children are not exempt from this, whether they're age three all the way up to 18, right? Yeah. But the season can bring this just hyper awareness of the dichotomy between the merriness of the season and the way that we feel on the inside. And that can really drive us into a place of feeling defeated or hopeless because it's like, man, if I can't even feel good at Christmas time, when am I going to feel good? This is the happiest time of the year, according to everything I hear. Right. And I think that's something to really be aware of is it, it's hard. Yes. Because people are lonely and, and life circumstances can, you know, impact the way people feel. But at at the core, it's really about just this dissonance really being thrown in people's faces who aren't feeling well and maybe haven't had that support system. And again, our kids are not exempt from that. And when we have family situations that are difficult or underprivileged, to be in an environment where you're supposed to feel this way and you don't feel this way can be really challenging. Yeah, I love love two things that you said there, and I want to dig into those. Uh, This whole idea of giving them the language, uh, helping them work through that. And then this whole idea that, that I think is important for all of us. Uh, and often it is that on the outside and on the inside, it's just not congruent. And so you, right. you're hearing all of that uh, and helping help. How do we better help our young people say, okay, it's, it's okay to celebrate. It's, it's okay to do that and still feel mm-hmm. that uh, you've got some sadness or loneliness or something going on internally. Uh, don't, those don't have to be mutually exclusive. Yes. That's my favorite thing that I work on with people and work on with myself, quite honestly, when I'm, you know, struggling in life. And I think it's using that language of and like I can feel lonely and also enjoy this time with my sibling. I can feel depressed and also feel kind of excited to open some presents. The and feelings are crucial for us to model and give language to, to support our children and especially our teens, because teens are really extra sensitive to those negative yeah. feelings. And if they're in an environment where negative feelings aren't given space to have a home, then they often feel like they need to cover that up, which, as you and I know, really just creates more of that negative feeling. Mm. And so it's really important for us to not just check in with our kids and say, like, you know, how are you doing? But to ask them to label it or to say, hey, you know, this has been a hard day because I've really struggled with how I'm going to have this conversation with my sibling that I haven't seen in two years. And giving space to kind of say, I love this time of year, but I also really have to work hard this time of year. Um, And it's all about modeling. We can't teach them without modeling it ourselves. Yeah, uh, so important. And last and and, and quickly, uh, obviously a, a lot of sad news and tragedies uh, over mm-hmm. the last week or so as it relates to suicide mm-hmm. and, and, of course, important conversations about suicide prevention. Uh, we always reference yes. the 988 number, Safe UT yeah. app. Um, so now you add in uh, some high-profile people uh, who have mm-hmm. sadly uh, taken their own lives. Uh, how do we have those kinds of conversations, again, in the middle of a time Uh, when there is a lot of celebration going on. Right. They're crucial conversations, to use your term, Boyd. It's important for us to talk with our kids, to say that we see that happening in the news, to use the word suicide, to talk about killing oneself without being afraid of using that language. We have to create 
a home where we can say those hard things and use those hard words, regardless of the timing being something that's, you know, you desire or not. You have to do it when these opportunities exist. And the media figure that our kids follow is a perfect opportunity, sadly, to be able to have a conversation like this that can save lives. Okay, fantastic. Great insight as always. We love having Jenny Howe on the program. Jenny, thank you for help, helping us walk through what we should be aware of, looking at our young children, our teenagers, and of course, to always looking inward in terms of what we're doing ourselves uh, to make that happen. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, as always, we're so grateful for your influence, for your voice in our community. Thank you so much, Boyd. Have a Merry Christmas. You too. All the best. No question, no conversation is more important. No conversation more crucial than the mental health conversations, and not just for the adults, for our young children, especially for our young adults. Uh, make sure you're keeping your eyes, your ears, and your heart open. You have to listen with your heart. And if anyone you know is in trouble, the 988 number is always available, the Help UT app. Uh, if you know someone struggling, reach out, speak up. If you're listening today and you're the one struggling, whether you're a young person or an old person, Reach out. We're here to lock arms with you and move it forward. We'll be right back. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind, only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do? in the face of an international disaster decades in the making. That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.